Ah, summer. The best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Who doesn't love shopping at Target? Did you know the all-new Target Circle is the free and easy way to get the most deals at Target? And when you pay with your Target Circle card, you can save an extra 5% your way every day. But wait, there's more. Now you've got a new way to save with Target Circle 360. With unlimited same-day delivery, Target Circle 360 is the fastest way to get your order to your door or someone else's. Right now, sign up for Target Circle 360 for just $49 for your first year of membership. That's $50 off the regular price. Visit Target.com slash Circle or the Target app for more details. Same-day delivery is subject to terms, applies to orders over $35. For 5% discount, restrictions apply. See program rules in-store or at Target.com slash Circle card. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I am all in. I am all in with Scott Patterson, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hey everybody, uh, we're back with uh, another episode. I'm Scott Patterson, and this is the I Am All In podcast with iHeartRadio and 111 Productions, star-crossed lovers and other strangers that perhaps got soft and got butthurt like (laughs) Dean did when he got blown up by the saucy blue eyes from that innocent Gilmore, Rory, who did not respond to his, I love you. Riley, uh, if you could give us the synopsis for the episode, please. This is episode 16, Star-Crossed Lovers and Other Strangers, air date March 8th, 2001. Emily agrees to let Rory miss the weekly dinner so she can celebrate her three-month anniversary with Dean. Elsewhere, the town prepares for a festival that celebrates the founding of Stars Hollow. Oh my goodness. What happened to Dean? I mean, in, 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 in what, 12 episodes, he goes from like, I'm sh- from Chicago. I'm not from here. Hey, come on over here. I'm going to kiss you in the cabbage section in front of everybody. 
and uh, you know, I'm talking to your mom, and now is it my turn to speak? And hey, let's watch Boogie Nights. What what happened to that guy? And all of a sudden, he's sitting in his junky car that he's building for this girlfriend that's never got a chance to be safe or pass inspection at the DMV. And and he says, and he says, I love you, I love you, and and big matzo ball hanging out there. Amy, am I wrong? Giant, like that's the biggest matzo ball hanging out there I've ever seen on television. And then <laughs> she awkward. just, but but her face. That sweet, innocent, 16-year-old face with those blue eyes, like, open wide, like. I was waiting for her to say, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Oh, so oh, that's rough. a big swing and a miss for Dean. I mean, <laughs> wow. I've been there. I've been that guy. It's happened to me. It's not a place. It you went so be. dark, though. I didn't think it needed to be a breakup. Yeah, but that's, but that's how... But that's that personality. That guy, he was so humiliated. Dean was so humiliated. He had no other choice but to save face, right? Mm. Just shows you he's not the guy for her, right? He's not cool, calm, and collected that he came. See, I knew it. I knew it. I had him nailed from the beginning. That tough guy act, it's, it's all, it's just an act. He's just a softy underneath. And if he doesn't get his way, he, he, he gets butt hurt. And he, and he runs home to mommy and cries. <laughs> But he's, these are kids, you know, he, these are kids. But he started out so, he was such a cool dude, right? Yeah, bold, bravado. Oh, this, this great looking kid and he had his act together and he was just contained and he was cool. And then he's sitting in a junky Corvair going, I love you. <laughs> Is it a Corvair? I, well, I thought it was. Was it a little <laughs> no, Corvair? Could be. I don't think we know. Yeah, right? Little junk junkyard Corvair that he was. Oh. Yeah, my God. my God, what a scene! I was so happy. I was so bored with that whole thing because he was, he was like, uh, he he had softened to the point where it was like, Jesus, what's what's going to happen now? And then, and then he she he dumps her. <laughs> he breaks yeah, up. That her. was. It's like wow. rough. Yeah. And and well, how about and, you? And she was completely justified in just sort of staring at him like what. This is moving very quickly. Three months. Uh, Boy, I tell you, being a guy, an 18-year-old guy, 17-year-old guy, feeling that much for a girl and actually saying those words, boy, that's tough. Most teenage girls would have said it back. She's just a unique teenage girl. She's a Gilmore. Yeah. It's like, listen, man, we're in a junkyard. And I mean, we're not in the, we're, we're not even in a used car lot. Which would be bad enough, right? For a Gilmore. I mean, maybe she could have dealt with like a used Jeep or something. She handled it well. She sort of tried to explain to him like, you know my family, you know my life. Like, I can't just be as comfortable with this as you are. Right. But he was not having it. Right. He's so mad. And she was like, don't be mad. And it was like, yeah, don't be mad. How can you not be mad? You just, you just... (laughs) You just put your cards on the table. I mean, what if I was sitting there in that booth, right? Because I, re- I do remember that scene where, you know, my all, I am all in scene, right? What mm-hmm. if Lorelai just said, oh, that's nice. Uh, anyway, <laughs> sh- can, should we order? <laughs> Wait, we have so much to talk about because Rachel. Yeah. Wow. Rachel shows. What did you think watching yourself with Rachel? Um, I don't know. I, I think I, you know, cr- Acting wise, I just think it was just too much on me. 
I, I, I didn't, I didn't like what I did behind really? the counter with the, the pausing. And I, I was really kind of, what, what are they, oh. I was kind of mugging a little too much. I think it was, I was pushing everything. And I didn't really particularly like, I liked the scene with Lorelai on the bench during the festival. I did too. Did you see the knee touch when you touched her knee? Yeah, with a fist. With a fist. You know, it was that like was a solid move, though. Solid. But did I touch? Was it open handed or was it like a bro? No. Bro punch. It, it was somewhere between bro and yeah, right. best friends. Yeah. It was subtle, but it was so sweet. Yeah. I really was like, wow. Yeah, I like that scene. I, I really yeah. like that scene because that scene had, that was, you know, that had a, a, a fine line, you know, where you had to sort of, you know, walk down the middle of that scene. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I did not like my reaction to her when she came in. I didn't like my, I liked the scene. I thought the, the girls were great and I didn't think I was, I didn't serve that scene very well. I don't think, I think I was just too wide eyed and shocked. And it's like, okay, so that's like, that's the girl we were talking about. That's the model chick, right? That's, that's the girl. That's the girl in my dreams who hurt yeah. me so who got me butthurt. Maybe I said I love you to her. She says, Well, <laughs> I've got to go clean my lenses. <laughs> yeah, I, and the you. whole thing was interesting because Luke does really sort of reveal like she's not one for staying. No, no, she uh she broke my will heart and she went <laughs> she went off to the Middle East and she went off to you know, she went off to war zones. You know, she's a serious uh serious uh uh photographer so she's you know just a tough thing to deal with but i don't know yeah you see how comfortable luke is with lorelei that's the point yeah that's the point it's easy it fits like a glove we're just such good friends our rhythm is just there you know we pick up immediately on that rhythm it's like we're we're on stage playing jazz other's moves right so it just fits it works it's great yeah yeah um and that was the whole point it's the rhythm of it so maybe maybe my reaction wasn't so bad because that really mm-hmm. stopped the music that's like the needle goes off the record and she walks in and everybody's just staring at her so anyway that's how i played it i don't think I yeah and lorelei had to sort of take control mm-hmm. lorelei had to handle it right. for you right and so she got to act as a friend like oh poor poor yeah. guy's heart his wounded heart his poor wounded heart i must help here this yeah. poor guy. i don't know it's like it's like everything that happens to that guy it just makes him look better in her eyes lately right so um yeah yeah i mean and now she's got uh a threat i don't know what the word is she she's got competition mm-hmm. rachel's back she's handling it well i thought so too she's That's handling really it i i think lorelei's handling it beautifully yeah, and, and probably because she's self-aware enough to know, like, I, I've dated Max recently. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. dated other guys. Who am I to be mad about this? Right. right. Yeah, I thought that too. Plus, she's missing Max and dialing his number and, you know, this kind of Yeah. Thing. Really miss Max. Chase. Chase, how great was it? Come on. How do you like your sketch, Chase? Uh how, how do you what do you want to drink scotch neat oh then i'll get it for you that's fine <laughs> and you knew richard was like this guy is no good L- lets her crawl out the window so good i thought that was some of the funniest stuff 
that I'd seen so far. Those scenes with uh, Chase and 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 Lorelai and the, and the Gilmore parents were just supreme, <laughs> just hysterically funny. I mean, her messing around with all the little Chotskys, you know, the crystal little Chotskys. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I know we'll talk about it later, but the misery reference was just so genius. Oh god. Funny stuff. Oh my god. Funny stuff. You know what? We have somebody who uh could be regarded as my nemesis in this show. It's not Darth Vader, but it's kind of the Darth Vader of Stars Hollow. Mr. Taylor Dozy of Dozy's Mark. Michael Winters, the the incomparable, the brilliant Michael Winters is waiting in the wings. I cannot wait to talk with him. He is such a great guy and uh, such a great actor. And uh, I miss working with him so much. Um, and I can't wait to talk to him. So after we uh, after we come back, we're gonna we're gonna saddle up and ride the prairie with uh, Taylor Dozy. Okay, so. Uh, I'm Scott Patterson. This is I Am All In Podcast, iHeartRadio. We'll be right back after these words with Michael Winters. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. 
My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Winters is in the waiting room. He's in the green room eating uh, lollipops and striped candies and caramels. And I made it. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Huh? But President, I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you from? Where are you? Where are you I'm right in now? Seattle. You're in Seattle. Yeah. Wow. So listen, now we've got you. We probably don't have you for long because you're in such demand. I want to start from the beginning. Beginning. There's a bunch of fan questions, bunch of listener questions. They want to know things. We got to give them. Yeah. We, we got to give them some answers here. They want to know um, how'd you get the role of Taylor. Um. And did you know when you got the role of Taylor, you would play the part for many years? That's from Kristen in Boulder, Colorado. Boulder. I spent a summer in Boulder. Beautiful place. Beautiful There's place. a great Absolutely. Place in um, I, I got the job uh, in the normal way. It was another audition like anything else. And uh, I went and I did a callback and uh, I got the job. Now, when they, when they offered the job, they said it was a four- arc uh you know four uh, episode arc mm -hmm. with the possibility of recurring well every job you got at that time was that right. you know yeah so it's, it will probably recur it could recur you know and you just sort of stop thinking about that mm -hmm. so when i started it um i had no idea it would be more than four episodes and in fact i told them uh, you know i was going back and forth between seattle and la because uh, I had theater connections up here and I would come up here and do plays and then I'd go down there and audition and stuff. So I said, okay, four episodes. Well, how long will that run? He said, great, because right after that, I'm going back to Seattle uh, to uh, look for theater work up there. And they said, that's fine. We'll do the four episodes. And then if we ever need you again, we'll fly you down. So, um, so I did the four episodes, and after that, it never stopped yeah. for seven years and Thank the God. reboot. And, you know, it wasn't constant, so I did come up to Seattle uh, every year. Mm -hmm. I'd come up. I would come up uh, at the end of what used to be pilot season. I guess there isn't one anymore. And come up because uh, the theaters I worked at, a lot of them uh, played over the summer. So I'd come back up here for a few months, and I would always say, every one of those seven years, I think, I said, okay, I'm going back to Seattle to do plays. Um, I won't be done there till uh, late in August. You know, and that's about when you start again, right? I said, just don't put me in the first episode. <sighs> every single time they put me in the first episode. And so uh, several years in a row, I'd be doing a show, and on a Sunday night, I'd have a friend waiting and they'd streak me to the airport and I'd get a late flight, which of course you can't get anymore after the, you know, after 9-11, mm -hmm. it, it stopped. And I would fly down someplace mm -hmm. and 
like spend the night in Las Vegas or something and get a quick hop over, work all day Monday, which was my day off, and then into Tuesday and then fly back up here for a show on Tuesday night. Wow. That happened four or five seasons in a row. Wow. Wow. Uh, but I, you know, I, I didn't mind doing it. It was great to be able to come back. But, but uh, you know, it, it was, it's a, it was a, a smaller part. So I... <clears throat> Um, I didn't have to be there all the time. A lot of dialogue. And I, you know, I only worked, and I only lived uh, then. I only lived about, um, well, it was ten minutes tops from my house to Warner Brothers, mm -hmm. even on bad traffic days. So right. it was really a cinch. So let me ask you this: So you you did recurring roles on shows like Cheers and Frasier, and what was it? What, how was how was Gilmore Girls different? Well, it was long. Those other ones were, they didn't even really, I wouldn't even call them recurring. They were guest star parts. And some of them were just, you know, one episode. Uh, a couple of them I did more than one episode, but they were small. Uh, you know, they, they, they didn't go on for very long, but Gilmore Girls ended up going on for seven years. And then the, the Netflix uh, reboot after that. So it, it was pure luck. <clears throat> and I'll always be grateful for it. <clears throat> the house I'm sitting in right now, I was able to put a down payment on because of all the time I'd spent on, on Gilmore Girls. Yeah, yeah. So what did you think of the character of Taylor Dozy? What did you, Michael, personally think of it? I just thought he was a jerk, but it was, um, but it was, he was funny. And I, and I always uh, thought, I, I think what happens is, you know, an hour long show, that's a lot of stuff, a lot of time to fill. And I thought they'd get to a point where they had some time to film. They'd say, okay, uh, make Taylor do something annoying and we'll uh, spread it out over the episode. And uh, I'd get there and be a thorn under somebody's saddle, you know, and uh, cause trouble. And then it would all get cleared up. Uh, so it was a fun distraction, I think, from the, uh, uh, oh, the romance and uh, stuff that the girls had. Mm -hmm. and all the, that, you know, I was uh, one of the local eccentrics. Right. And my, and my job was to annoy people. <laughs> <laughs> But I loved it. It was great. I fun. know. I know. It was. It was. It was always fun going to work, knowing I was going to be sparring with you. <laughs> exactly. If I remember correctly, the first episode was a Halloween episode, and I wanted to put pumpkins and stuff all around the door of the diner, and you didn't want it, right. and so we tussled. That's how we started. Right. Right. And continued for years and years. <laughs> <laughs> It's very good. You and I personally got along very nicely. Yes. To sort of a buffer that. Yeah. Well, it was the yeah. I mean, uh, I just I just love working with you. I really. I mean, I love working with all of them, but especially yeah. you because uh, no, I did too. It was great. I mean, great they fun. were just such fun scenes to do. I mean, just that it, that inbred <laughs> conflict going on. I mean, it was just it was just so much fun. Always. To play. Oh, Always so much yes. fun to play. So, what did your character? What, what did you think of Luke? What did your character think of Luke? Uh, just another um, <clears throat> oh, somebody who didn't understand the good that I was after. 
You know, he was, he was an obstruction to me making this town a better place, a greater place. And I knew exactly how to do it. If you would just let me have my way, if you would just get out of the way and let me do what I wanted to do. So, uh, yeah, so we were always just sort of at friendly loggerheads. Uh, we, we were up against each other, but, you know, it never came to blows or anything. You know, so it was just, so you, you don't feel you were misunderstood as a character, that you were just uh, uh, trying to take yeah, control of the town uh, because you had good well, intentions? that's what I'm saying. Nobody understood uh, how much I had to offer and how good my ideas were and how essential it was that we did this for the town. And of course, all it did was make life impossible for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so of course, mm-hmm. they can, you were sort of the, the spearhead of that, of, uh, of standing up to uh, Taylor and his wacky ideas. So, <laughs> so here's a question that I think a lot of people would be interested in. Um, yeah. Were you given any or any amount of direction on the characterization or did you come up with that purely yourself? Well, it seemed to me the characterization was in the language and, you know, just like, just like any acting job. And so I followed what I felt were the clues to the character from that. So yeah, everybody got direction. Mine was usually go a little faster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, pace it up, pace it up. Because I was, I was just used to the stage where you're able to sort of expand and take the time that you need. This is just a whole different world. And when I, when I finally hooked into after a few episodes, then it got easy because then I'm, I was able to make all those mental connections just happen immediately. Mm. Instead of thinking about something, just react to it. You know, and so it gave me this kind of rhythm of jumping around from one thing to another. Yes, okay, fine, whatever you say. But the important thing is, and I'd move right on to the next mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that kind of direction uh, it really helped me sort of focus on uh, what they were after and how they wanted to get mm-hmm. there. So, so we're 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 in season one still. We're about halfway through, maybe a little beyond halfway, but. Uh, you know, it's a lot of Dean. What what did Taylor think of Dean? Um, he he didn't sort of get in my viewfinder. You know, um, uh, yes. Oh, that that's Rory's uh, boyfriend. I guess I don't know, but he didn't have anything. I don't remember him having much to do with how the town ran itself, and that was my most important thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how we make it better. How how. We become the greatest little town in America, you know, and he was off uh, dating um, that girl, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Rory. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I I didn't have much uh, opinion about him, you know, I just as long as he kept out of my way and didn't try to stop me from doing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, most of the guys were like that. And I didn't know Jared much at all. Now, Milo, I knew a lot better. And uh, um, uh, um, Matt Zucri later on, uh, we, we were a little more friendly, uh, you know, just the actors were. But uh, those guys were almost in like a different story, a different world, a different level that I 
um, they were there and, you know, I'm sort of aware of their presence, but I, I never ran up against them like I would you and well, lots of other people mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that I would so, bounce. Off. You know, your character is, uh, uh, very much involved in the town celebrations and overseeing oh, yeah. them and getting permitted properly and that kind of thing. What were your favorite celebrations? I loved, um, I love the art one, uh, you know, the live, um, I don't know what season that was. The, the thing that was based on the thing from Laguna Beach where they did the uh, tableau vivant of famous paintings. That was so much fun to be involved in, although it was difficult because it was another one of those things like uh, the town meetings where I had, I wasn't in the heart of the scene, but I'm running them, you know. I'm narrating them or something, or I'm trying to keeping them going. So that most of the shooting of all of those would be on everybody else. And then at the end of the day, uh, we'd, uh, it, the cameras would turn around and then I'd have to do all my stuff at the end, which was all stuck in the middle, you know? So that I remember particularly that one of the, the living art uh, paintings was difficult because we worked all night mm -hmm. and then it got to the end of the night and I sat around in a tux all day and did virtually nothing, uh, you know, little bits here and there. And then I had all of these introductions to do and everybody went home. All the crew was dying to get on the road, just get out of there. And I had to do these long, complicated speeches with a lot of Italian names in it. And the guy who was directing that episode said, I, I don't want, you know, I don't want to put any extra pressure on you, but where you're standing, the sun is going to hit you in the face in about 20 minutes. We need to get this all done in 20 minutes. <laughs> Early on in the very first season, because it was the first time I had it, we did the, uh, the reenactment, uh, the, the uh, Revolutionary War reenactment stuff. And we had all that stuff in the snow and the uniforms and the rifles and everything. And um, uh, uh, Huddleston, what was his first name? David. David, David Huddleston, mm -hmm. who was the mayor. Everybody thinks I'm the mayor. I was never the mayor. Uh, uh, David was the mayor. He did two episodes, I think was all he mm -hmm. ever did. But, but he sort of ran it. And he looked out for us. Uh, there were a bunch of us who had to kneel in the snow all night long. It was another night shoot. And, uh, and uh, we just had to kneel there because we were in these styrofoam things that looked like snow banks because the snow got bigger as the night went on. And he, he finally uh, just sort of said, listen, you've got to let these people get up. You have to let them get out of here. He, he took care of us all. And uh, I was always uh, appreciative of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but all of, those, all of those celebrations, I always had something fun to do. Right. Uh, running around, trying to keep them going. Uh, trying to, you know, troubleshoot as things went on. <clears throat> uh, the food fair there, uh, which was, I guess, in the, in the reboot, that was kind of fun, running around with all the countries and the food. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, I loved the, uh, the dance marathon when we went over to the high school uh, out in the valley and spent the day out there. It was fun because we were in a different place in a whole different situation. And I, I wasn't as much in charge of that. I don't remember being, but it was fun. To, it was sort of fun to be around. They were, they were all great. You know, it was always a variety. So uh, Charlotte from uh, Smyrna Beach wants to know if the food 
in Dozy's market was real? Um, well, the canned goods and the, the boxes were all, but the produce only if we needed to use it. If somebody had to pick it up, then it seemed to me that the produce was real. The others, you know, they make fabulous plastic fruit. You can, you know, and vegetables, you can't tell the difference. You know, a green pepper plastic looks like a real green pepper, especially, you know, when it's sort of at a distance. So, <clears throat> yeah, the canned goods, the, the uh, non-perishable stuff, that was all real as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just the boxes. We never actually dealt with them. It was mostly in background. If anything had to be packed in a sack or, you know, anybody was checking out or anything, then that was much more likely to be real. Mm-hmm. But you couldn't grab an apple and eat it, I don't think. <laughs> you would be very careful about that. Um, so here's a question. Yeah. From, uh, this is one of my questions. You know, it's 2021. We did the reboot five years ago. Where do you think, because I always think in terms of, you know, when I was preparing the 2016 reboot, where, you know, where has Luke been? Where is he now? That kind of thing. Where is Taylor Dozy in 2021? What is he doing right now? Uh, Boy, probably if he can get away with it, exactly what he's always done. You know, maybe he is mayor. Maybe he... uh, maybe he does run for mayor. In fact, he runs for, you know, there's that one episode which has some very fun stuff in it, I think, uh, where I ran for ombudsman, uh, who's a sort of a voice for the people, not the mayor, but somebody who could uh, bring up problems and difficulties with the people who actually run the town, even though I felt like I was running the town. Um, And and Lorelai decided that, I just won it out of hand. It, there was no, there never was any uh, opposition. I just sort of got the job every year. Mm-hmm. So she decided, no, I'm going to, uh, and she got, uh, she got somebody to run against me, and I can't remember who it was. But of course, everybody wanted to get rid of Taylor, so he was <laughs> winning. And then, and and uh, one of my favorite moments in the entire series for me my, my fun moment was uh, by that time they had opened that window up between the diner and the sweet shop my sweet shop so you could see from the diner into the sweet shop and in the middle of the night you and Lorelai were talking in the diner about the election <clears throat> and looked over and saw me sitting at the at the counter in my sweet shop with the lights off looking very dejected because I was about to lose this election and uh, and at one point, I picked up a can of Ready Whip and just sprayed a mouthful of it in my mouth to make myself feel better. <laughs> and know. she felt so bad about that that she turned it around and, uh, you know, sort of put the kibosh on whoever it was she was getting to run against me. And I won again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I, I'm, I'm, I can only imagine that uh, <clears throat> Taylor is just finding new ways to annoy everybody in town. He doesn't mean to annoy them, but uh, uh, he, he just has big ideas and, and great possibilities if everyone would just understand how right he was, you know. Mm-hmm. So my bet is he's doing the same thing. I don't imagine he ever, t- I can't imagine taking a vacation, like taking a cruise or anything like that, because who knows what would happen in his absence. Right, right, right. What are the memories you have of the two of us getting into trouble? Uh, well, mostly our trouble was with each other, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, 
trying to get things done and uh, and uh, uh, just uh, butting up, butting heads against each other. Yeah, there were no hijinks uh, offset. No, we no. were definitely not that, <laughs> that kind of. It's friend. not like we, you and I, after shooting was finished, we go grab a drink and get into bar fights or anything like that. We we, we didn't do that. <laughs> oh, you mean you and me, yeah. not Taylor and, and right, Luke? Right. No, no, no. I think they meant Taylor and Luke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, absolutely not. I can't imagine Taylor going to the bar. <laughs> they would. Everybody would have kicked him out if he'd have tried to go because he wouldn't been able to go in and just sit down and have a drink. Yeah. He'd be bugging everybody yeah. about his latest project. Uh-huh. So I think if he ever went, he'd go home and drink alone. You know, maybe he'd have a bottle of wine or something. So, what is your absolute favorite memory of the show? Wow. the the ready whip is the one I always think of. I I love. Um, I had to ride a horse in. And we did another sort of a uh, civil war reenactment where I had to ride a horse, just ride it into the shot and get off the horse. I didn't even have to get on the horse, which was great because I, I couldn't do it. And I was in this huge uniform with a sword and everything. And that was fun. And they sent me out because I am not used to horses. They sent me out to a ranch way the hell out in the valley to work with the guy who was the horse wrangler. And he was very, very helpful. And helped me get on and ride. And I rode around a whole bunch that day, just around a corral, you know, so that the whole event was really, really fun. And I remember that, that being great. Um, Mm -hmm. My favorite moments often were the town meetings because Liz and I were, would sit up on that dais and not do anything most of the day, just throw the lines in, you know, we wouldn't even get dressed. We'd get makeup on and just sit around in our street clothes and talk. And ha- and she was so full of stories. She knew and had worked with everybody. And we had a thing we'd do where um, um, somebody would start singing a song, you know, cause she was a singer and uh, we'd sing old saloon songs, you know, fa- famous old standards, but none of us knew Neither of us knew all the lyrics. So one of the other us would start and say, do three lines, and then the other person would try to remember the next three lines. It was just this endless game. Uh, and I loved that. I loved the day that Carol King was there. Mm-hmm. And did, uh, that was the reboot again, I think. And we worked all day, and she was fantastic. And we, had a, we had great fun. And worked all day on that one scene because it was all of us in a circle. And so everybody had to get their their separate shots. And at the end of the day, you know, everybody was tired and ready to go home. And she said, well, you can all go home if you want, but I'm just going to stay around and play the piano. If anybody wants to stay, that's fine. And she did (laughs) half hour. Nice. At that beat up old out of tune piano and nobody left. Everybody stayed. And that was a high point. That was just so amazing. Yeah. So great. I heard about that. I wish I was there. Jeez. Oh, it, it was sublime. I know. Those things were great. Yeah. That never happened with Sebastian Bach, though. You know. No, but he, <laughs> he, he said, hey, stick around. You guys can go home, but stick around. I'm going to screech for, you know, half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not his style at all. <laughs> that was another fun one with all, the, with all of Amy's favorite pop stars uh-huh. as street... Uh, uh, troubadours, right. you know, when, when she got them all on the show, yeah. that was sort of amazing. Yeah. Uh, 
to have them all around, only half of whom I know, being as old as I am, I didn't know who everybody was. Right. That was great. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So if you want a period product that looks out for your body, your lifestyle, and the planet, you've got to try Flex. Flex is innovating period care with products that are body safe, made for comfort, and made to keep you moving. There's the Flex Disc, which is one-time-use menstrual disc that fits perfectly inside your body. 
One flex disc can be worn up to 12 hours and holds as much flow as three super tampons. And if you want to go zero waste and have the planet love you even more, pick up the Flex Cup, a reusable menstrual cup that Cosmo rated number one. With helpful videos, in-depth diagrams, even gifts, and Flexperts available to walk you through the entire process, you'll never go back to products from the past once you try Flex. So say goodbye to cramps, put sex back on the table, and lend Mother Nature a hand. Go to flexfits.com slash all in and use code all in for 20% off Flex Disc Starter Kits or 10% off your first Flex Cup plus free U.S. shipping. That's code all in at flex, F-L-E-X, fits.com slash all in. So are you ready for uh, rapid fire? We're, we do a thing called rapid fire. I'm going to fire questions at you and you got to answer as fast as you can. I'll do my best. <laughs> right. Here we go. Okay. Hit me. All right. How do you take your coffee? I don't drink coffee. Can you smell? How dare you? I know. You don't drink I know. coffee. Uh, People say, how can you be in the theater? I never drank coffee. Can you, can you, well, it's good. Uh, can you smell snow? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I grew up in the Midwest. Uh, I know it's uh, coming. Are you team Logan, team G- Jess, or team Dean? Hard to say. Like I said, I knew those two guys much better. So I guess I'd have to say Logan. I liked him a lot. I thought he was okay. the real deal. Who's the daddy? In what situation? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's a thing that shifts wouldn't you say um i <laughs> the the rory's baby rory's baby at the end of the uh the the netflix thing she's pregnant i don't know i wonder if they know so you don't know there's no, you can't speculate you don't want to speculate i don't want to i want to leave it Mysterious. Uh-huh. I like that. Okay. Uh, cliffhanger. Maybe it means we'll all be back. <laughs> Fat chance. <laughs> For his graduation from high school or something. Like yeah. That. Uh, best memory of Gilmore Girls? Well, geez, so hard to say. I, I just loved starting. I loved coming. You know what was great? Was coming back for the reboot. And there were, everybody knew how long the shoot was going to be. So there was none of that, oh, my God, will we ever be finished with this? Mm-hmm. And I think that was great for you guys who were always there. Mm-hmm. But when we came back for that, it was like a reunion. And everybody was free and loose and knew they were only going to be doing it for three months. Everybody was wild about being employed again you know on a on a place that was such wonderful work to do it, it you know it was a pleasure to look forward to going to a show that was good you know that we were on a show that had quality mm-hmm. and because you know we all did uh, bits on other shows where it was like oh god thank god i'm not on this week after week after week you mm-hmm. know yeah uh, this one was, I'd love to be on this week after week after week when I could be there. Right. So that was a great one. Coming back for that, that was a, that was a big deal. Yeah. Um, show that you're binge watching right now. Oh, gee, I just got done with Hacks. I watched Hacks. Uh, that was the last one. What happened to me is I've only had a smart TV for a few months. And when I got it, I got... Turner Classic Movies again, which I had not had on my other one for three years. So I am now up to my ears in old movies, and I haven't been watching 
uh, streaming things. Mm -hmm. But I did watch Hacks because I like her and I'd heard it was good. And she used to work in Seattle. Who, her? Before. Uh, um, Jean Smart, oh, sure. okay. who was the, the main the main uh, person in that, and so a lot of people I know in town know her, and they all said, "Oh, you should she sacks packs because she's really great." And I had just seen uh, Mayor of East Town; she just got done doing, and she was so fabulous in that. So, so that was my last uh, that was my last big binge. Okay, uh, cast member you texted most recently? Uh, well, you. Uh, for this, mm-hmm. but before that, who would it be? Well, um, 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 cast member, not a cast member, but um, Valerie Campbell, okay. who hooked me up with this woman named Taryn uh, in New Zealand, who has already written a big encyclopedia book about Gilmore Girls, and she's writing a new one now. And uh, she wanted to. Uh, she wanted to talk to me, and, and Valerie hooked us up. So Val and I were trading uh, emails. Okay. Quite All right, Valerie, it is. Uh, one word to describe Gilmore Girls. Sweet. Good. Are you familiar with the creepy clown pillow? No. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I, I, I shan't explain. I shan't explain it. Um <laughs> Was it something on the show? Yeah, it was a pillow that that's in Lorelai's living room. And it, oh, because so no, you know we keep trying to. We're we're kind of, we're a little bit. Well, some people on the show are a little bit obsessed with it, and they want to spot it in every episode and wear it. Oh well, yeah, I can so. I can understand yes. that. Oh, well, now I'm going to yes. look for it. Yes. Uh, Michael, it's been a pleasure. It's so good to see you again. Good to see what you. What do you do besides this? Um. You know, I'm just, you know, my wife and I are raising our son. He's seven now and he's in, he's he? seven and he's in second grade. And, and, you know, we're just, we're just living a normal life, you know, and. Uh, that is great. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, it's yeah. just great to see you and hear your voice. Yeah, it's good to, to see you too, my friend. I hope yeah. we get to work again soon on I something. If it's not really... Gilmore Girls, uh, something. Yeah. Any place. Yeah. But... Uh, you're one of the people who just made it a homey place to be. Well, you too, buddy. A Thank nice you. Nice place to go to work. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. And uh, I've always been very fond of you. Thanks a lot. And thanks for asking me to do this. You got it, pal. We'll have fun. you back on. You're the best. Do. Yeah. When you get farther into the seat, I forgot to. Uh, Amy had left me a thing saying, look at this episode. And I just didn't do it. I forgot to do it. So if it happens again, let me get a leg up on it because I haven't watched them all okay. for years. It will. We'll, we'll be in pal. touch for sure. Yeah, it, it was really fun. And God knows I don't have all that much to do. So <laughs> <laughs> my time is free. All right, buddy. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Amy. All too. Right. Take care, buddy. You're the best. Talk to you soon. All right. Be well, yeah. my friend. Bye-bye. Oh, my God. He is so lovely. I literally oh. was texting Danielle going, this guy is so great. He he's such so, a peach. He's oh, literally a peach. Just a, just a total class act. Yes. And, and, you know, he was the kind of guy, he was such a professional. Uh, and everybody knew he had this tight schedule and he was always doing a play. Uh, and he would, you know, have to really put together, you know, his, he had a ton of dialogue to do. Always, yeah. And rapid fire. And he always came to the set fully off book, fully prepared. Wow. Totally professional. 
It was amazing. It was just you know, amazing. He's an acting machine. And you know what? He's so good at it. In just, doing this, mm-hmm. every single person that we have spoken to loved making this show. Yeah. And, and they want to come on with you. And we have so many more people coming up. And it's like, that means something. So it's like, we love watching this show. And all of you loved making it. It's really touching. We knew that we were in something very, very unique. We did. And it didn't take long for us to realize it. I mean, I, I realized it the minute I read the script before the first audition. Um, that it was very, very special. And I mean, I don't think anybody could have predicted what it would become, what it has become. Uh, but we knew that it was very high quality uh, and that uh, we were very lucky to be involved in it um, because it would have been very easy not to cast us. You know, um, thank God they did. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, we really miss, because we've all had experiences prior and especially after the show with other productions and they fall well short of how that show was run, the people involved, the quality uh, of the writing and, and, and the actors. And it was just, it was just wonderful. It was just a wonderful wow. experience. Yeah. You, you would hope that something like that could go on forever and ever and ever, but maybe that's what it makes it so special is that it had mm-hmm. was a, it lasted a finite period of time that will be forever be frozen in the emotional memory banks of the planet Earth. I think it does mean a lot to people that love the show yeah. how much you guys loved doing it. Yeah, it's really contagious, and then you're just like, oh, it makes me love it more. You know, well, I, you know what they don't see is, and a lot of them do know uh, this: the road that it the road that we were on to get to that point in our careers where we had a shot at something like that. And then you find yourself in, in, in the belly of the beast as it were. I mean, there you are, you know, you know, maybe 10 years prior, you know, I was in New York and I was sweating it out, man. And doing off Broadway theater and off, off Broadway theater and acting classes and no money and hustling and, you know, working jobs till 5 a.m. and and just really trying to make things happen and auditioning for agents and getting rejected and, you know, going on commercial auditions and getting rejected. And every once in a while you get one and you you could eat for a couple of months. And, uh, you know, there there was a time where I was eating, I could not afford Kraft macaroni and cheese because it was 99 cents a box. I had to go for Springfield because it was like 33 cents a box. And then maybe I'd steal a potato. And I think everybody's been there. And it was just like, you're, you're just, but you love what you do. You believe in what you're doing. Um, and then here you are, you find yourself with people that you admire and respect and you're on this show and the critics love it and the network loves it and limousines and then the parties and then the, this and the celebrities that you meet. Cause we didn't feel like celebrities. I mean, we were, but we didn't feel like it. We felt like the new people, you know, that got invited to the party somehow and we didn't belong. I remember the first, I went to to a Golden Globe party before, uh, after the Golden Globes in like 2000 or 2001. And I saw, you know, I saw the most stunning, stunning looking woman I've ever seen in my life. And it was Charlize Theron. And she was surrounded by a gaggle of like short handlers. And here she was the statuesque, like queen of the Amazonian beauty of a human being. And it was shocking. And I was like, I was with Yannick. Uh, I was, I think I was with Yannick and, uh, 
And we just stared at her like, good Lord, what are we doing in this room? We are not worthy. And Pacino was over there. And this, you wow. know, it's like, so we felt like, you know, kids in a candy store. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, we all struggled. We all came from, you know, very humble beginnings, I think. Uh, uh, and I think, I mean, even if Ed Herman were alive to tell his story, you know, what he went through in New York to, to, get, in, to get to the level that he got to. Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody has their story and it's just, and you, you, here you are and you're making money and you buy a house and you're going on vacations and you're, and people want yeah. your autograph and it's like, it's, it's wild. Well, that's like Michael saying he bought that house that he's in now yeah. because of Gilmore girls money. And that was like, wow. And he, yeah. he doesn't take it for granted. It, it feels like everyone that we've had on appreciates the show as the fans do so i stayed in my i had a little studio apartment in west hollywood i stayed in there for the first three years of the show i was afraid to buy a house yeah and my accountant's like you need to buy a house now i said well i i don't want to buy a house i I like where i am i'm I'm used to this it's like you know it's like uh i didn't i didn't want to come out of my cave um i'd been there for so long and he said, well, you have a decision to make. You either have to buy a house or you have to write the government a check for this amount of money if you don't. <laughs> I said, let's buy a house. <laughs> so I was kind of forced to do it. And it's, an, it's a nice position to it's, be in. But I mean, I never thought I would be able to afford a home, especially in L.A. And, uh, and yeah. even back then, home prices were, were high. Uh, but it, yeah, yeah it's, just, it's just a wild... It's like, and then you think of the, you know, I think of those early years a lot when I, when I first started studying in New York and the, the craziness of that city and how wonderful all those experiences were, but all of the work that you put in, and then there you are, you're working with a Michael Winters in a yeah. candy shop and lighting it up. And it's like, wow, you know, all the training pays off all the years, all the sweat, blood, sweat, and tears are just paying off. And, and, uh. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a strange p- profession, you know. It's uh it's feast or famine and we we definitely feasted for for 7 years. And then yeah. you see the craft service table and it's just filled <laughs> with food and you're like, "Okay, I'm going to go over there now." <laughs> Better take some of this home. Oh my goodness. You know, I hadn't I hadn't worked in a couple of years after Gilmore was over and then uh I did a couple of episodes of uh I did some well I I was working in independent films and you know they don't have huge budgets for craft service or food or anything like that. I mean they do what they can. They're great about it but um and then I did a couple of episodes I did an arc on 90210 and drove down to Manhattan Beach where they're filming in these they have these Oh yeah, the new the new 90210. Yeah, on the CW. Yeah. Right, these great studios down in Manhattan Beach and uh I walked onto the the sound stage and it was like something out of a, 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 a sci-fi film. It was so large and so clean and so te- high tech. And the craft service table was like this stadium full of food. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And I thought, oh, yeah, I forgot how good network television was, man. They really feed you. Yeah, we don't have that at iHeart. You get like a bag of weird Oreos if you're lucky. <laughs> bag of weird yeah. Oreos. Yeah, like those mini Oreos are not even like full size. <laughs> not, you can't eat them. No, they're, they're, it's wrong. That's they wrong. Use some nutter butters. You hold them lucky. up and you go, "That's just wrong." I cannot. <laughs> yeah, eat, I cannot dunk that. <laughs> Look at how how lucky you are now. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Michael's the real deal. He's like 
super professional and just gracious and grateful and and such a great actor to work with man i mean i you know i i think he carried me more times than i'm willing to admit in scenes because his timing is so good and um i remember one time i was really tired and i just couldn't deliver the the kind of energy uh that the scene needed and he just you know he had a little talk with me and he he told me he was there for me. That's all he did. He said, you know what? I'm here for you, man. You know, he was just offering support. He knew I was struggling a little bit because I had this sort of rapid fire monologue, you know, and had to really get through it. And I just wasn't getting it. And I was just like, God, am I going to be able to do this? And he just took me aside and he said, you know what? He goes, you're doing great. You're doing great. Mm. No, he says, I know how tired you are. and I know what the schedule's like sometimes. And he says, you know what? But you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be here if they didn't believe in you. You know what I mean? So you can, you can, you can do this in your sleep. And I just gave me a little lift and we kind of nailed mm. the scene and he's just a lovely guy. Lovely. Also lovely. love that he's team Logan. Cause so am I. Yeah. Well, that's the one <laughs> black mark against him. All right. Uh, so anyway, that was the, uh, illustrious, lovely, uh, talented professional actor, the real deal. The real raw deal, Michael Winters, to AKA Taylor Dosey. Uh, and we're going to have him back on. What a great interview. Love the guy. Love you, Michael. Thanks for coming on. Let's dive into pop culture, guys. Riley, take it away. I'm Riley, and this is your pop culture. So first we have Lorelai looking, looking like she's having so much trouble in the kitchen. And she says, I want to arrange things on a plate so they look like a pretty little hat. I want to be an Iron Chef. So Iron Chef was a Japanese cooking show from 1993 to 2002. The show was recreated in America on the Food Network from 2005 to 2018. And there are actually 800 pounds of food stocked in the pantry for each episode for the chefs to use. Wow. And there's 150 pounds of dry ice pumped through the studio for the filming so the fog can create dr dramatic moments. And... Finally, the schedule can be grueling with back-to-back -back battles. The Food Network shoots 26 episodes in just three weeks. Next, we have um, Tristan is making out with the girl against the locker, and he quotes uh, Sonnet 43 by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. And when he says, ah, to be young and in love. And Paris says, what a shame Elizabeth Barrett Browning wasn't here to witness this. She put her head through the wall. So Elizabeth was a poet and the eldest of 12 children. She battled an illness her whole life that doctors at the time could not diagnose. And her family made a fortune from Jamaican sugar plantations. Colonialists. Colonialists. <laughs> <laughs> so Lorelai talks to Rory about the way Luke and Rachel are acting in the diner. You could tell they were still in love. And by the way they looked at each other, Luke was stuttering and Rachel was staring deeply into his eyes. And Lorelai says... And he's looking at her like she's Miss September and she's looking at him like he's Johnny Depp. So at the time of the episode in 2001, Johnny Depp was known for his iconic roles in Edward Scissorhands and Chocolat. Hang on. I hate to interrupt here. I, I have to interject here. Is, is, I want to take a poll. I you, love him. With you ladies. Yeah. So you know what I'm going to ask. He's, <laughs> he's all that in a bag of chips, right? Oh, yeah. John, Johnny yeah. Depp is like beyond beyond, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I would say up until like 2017, but yes. <laughs> and he's gotten himself into a few pickles lately. So it's kind of like, but I've heard there's been some controversy. Um, 
but I love the 21 Jump Street Johnny Depp the most. Yeah. I, you know, I met, I, I met him uh, backstage at a Patti Smith concert a couple of years ago in downtown LA. He was with, jo he was with Joe Perry. He was with yeah, Joe Perry. They're buds. Yeah. It's quite a story. Yes. I'm not telling it here, but I, I did meet yes. him. Yes. He had lots of bodyguards outside the, the dress. Was he nice though? Was he nice? Yeah. He was, yeah. 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 He was all that in a bag of chips so much that he was named Sexiest Man Alive two years, 2003 and 2009. But he's best known for his role as Captain Jack Sparrow on Pirates of the Caribbean from 2003 to 2017. And it is a little known fact that Johnny Depp appeared on A Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984. He got murdered by Freddy Krueger. I remember it. He got like sucked into the bed and murdered. What a nightmare. <laughs> on Elm Street. <laughs> Rory says to Dean she would be relocated in a plastic bubble if she misses dinner for their three-month anniversary. And Rory says, well, that special occasion better include my being relocated to a plastic bubble if my grandmother's going to let me out of the dinner. So this is in reference to The Boy in the Plastic Bubble, a 1976 drama film starring John Travolta inspired by the, life, the lives of David Vedder and Ted DeVita. During filming, 22-year-old John Travolta and 40-year-old Diana Hyland began dating and fell in love. Sadly, Diana passed in 1977 of cancer, and then in 2020, John's wife, Kelly Preston, passed of cancer as well. Jake Gyllenhaal also played a boy in a plastic bubble in the 2001 comedy Bubble Boy. It's a lot of bubbles. It's a lot of bubbles. A lot of bubbles. When Rory says Dean is taking her to a fancy restaurant for the anniversary, there's an iconic scene in the animated film Lady and a Tramp where Tramp pushes the meatball with his nose and the lady, uh, he and Lady uh, share a st strand of spaghetti. Lorelai says, wow, it's going to be just like Lady and the Tramp. You'll share a plate of spaghetti, but it'll, it'll be just one strand, but you won't realize it until you accidentally meet in the middle. A 1955 animated romance film produced by Walt Disney, animators used their own faces as reference for the characters. Anne Tramp was first called Homer, then Rags, and Bozo, even though the canine was referred to as Tramp. Lorelai says, oh God, this is where the misery reference comes in. Get ready, Amy. Oh God, mom has gone a little crazy with the figurines here, huh? A little Kathy Bates. Although you probably haven't seen Misery, which is a good thing because Rory couldn't sleep for a week after she watched it. Do you remember from Misery when James Caan's character like gets out and then he accidentally knocks the figurine, but he mm -hmm. catches it mm -hmm. and he puts it back up. But she was right. so cuckoo that she knew the direction it faced. Mm -hmm. And so that's how she caught him. Get out of the cock a car. <laughs> That movie was so, so good. Uh, oh, very, very funny. Genius reference too. genius. Yeah. So for those of us that don't know, Misery is an American psychological thriller novel written by Stephen King and made into a horror film in 1990. Kathy Bates actually won the Oscar in 1991 for her role as the terrifying Annie Wilkes. The original inspiration for King's novel came from a nightmare he had while flying. And Jack Nicholson was offered the leading role of Paul Sheldon. However, he had such a difficult experience filming The Shining, he didn't want to do another King adaptation. And who can actually watch the horrific ankle scene oh, without cringing? I cannot. I cover my eyes. But interesting tidbit about Jack Nicholson. I might be the only one that stood up and applauded during that scene. Oh, that movie was so good. 
Chase was explaining to Lorelai, he grew up around the corner and the names of his Dobermans were Leopold and Loeb. So Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb were famous killers who were convicted of the 1924 kidnap and murder of a young boy in Chicago. The uh, Robe was a 1948 American psychological crime thr thriller film directed by Alfred Hitchcock, loosely based on the famous killers. And the film provided industry first since it took place in real time, which is also creasy, creepy that his dogs were named after killers. Paris is trying to get to her locker and Rory refers to the girl Tristan is making out with as Belle Watley. Paris says, yep, right behind Belle Watley. Belle Watley was a prostitute and later the madam of one of several houses in Atlanta's red light district from Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind was a 1939 American epic historical romance film adapted from the 1936 novel by Margaret Mitchell. Margaret Mitchell actually wrote Gone with the Wind out of boredom and had no intention of publishing the book. Lastly, we have Lorelai is having a nervous conversation with Richard and he tells her to just sit down and put her hands in her lap. Emily comes in and asks if they're having a good conversation, and Lorelai says, yeah, we're having a great conversation, me and Maury. So this is in reference to Tuesdays with Maury, a memoir by American author Mitch Album about a series of visits Album made to his former sociology professor Maury Schwartz as he slowly passes from ALS. Maury's final days are spent giving his former student Mitch his final lesson of life and discuss various topics important to life and living. The book was adapted into a 1990 film directed by Mick Jackson and then into a play. That's it for pop culture. Wonderful. A round of applause. Yeah, well done, Riley. Well That's done. hard work. Well done. Thank you very much. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. 
Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robey, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Okay, everybody, we're back. I'm Scott Patterson. This is the I Am All In podcast with iHeartRadio 111 Productions. We are going to get into favorite lines. Here we go. We are off and running with favorite lines. Amy, you're first. Okay, so they're at dinner with the guy Chase, and he says, are you in the D-A-R? And Lorelai says, (laughs) D-A-R-N. And she says, boy, these carrots sure are tiny. (laughs) And then she stabs them. Best. That was good. D A R N. And they're all looking at her like, what? So good. So good. Okay. Riley, you're on. Uh, mine's from Lorelai. And she's talking to Luke and she says, Hey, tomorrow, if you have time, I'm planning on despising everyone who says, says Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Danielle. My favorite line is after Dean professes his love to Rory, she goes, I, I love the car. Scott Uh, You stole Amy you stole my favorite line This is so good I'm sorry She had some really good ones In that episode She had some really good ones But yeah I I, I really enjoyed that uh, D-A-R And and his (laughs) tiny His carrots are so tiny (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was a a Wonderful little piece of acting right there Because that's all You know that's that's where you show your comedy chops. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. not a lot of people can do that. I agree. That would be hard. It's hard. All that, all those little subtleties and pauses and inflections and how to use your props and the whole thing. I mean, it was just, it's just wonderful to watch. You have to really, nail it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny. Just, ah, uh, it's disconnected yet linked all together and it flows beautifully. So. Riley, what episode is after this one? We still have more to talk about. We need to turn this into a two-parter. Yeah. But Riley, what episode are we all watching for next? Next week, we have episode 17, The Breakup Part 2. All right, everybody. Uh, that's it for the uh, Star-Crossed Lovers and Other Strangers. And that was episode 16. And uh, thanks for downloading. And we're going to see you next week. I think we're going to do a mini. Uh, we're going we're gonna to follow with a mini a discussion about the remainder of this episode because we got into a little bit and that was fun. Uh, this is one of the, the better episodes to to dissect, but we're going to get into it a little more with this uh, additional episode that will, I guess we'll drop in the middle of a week or something like that. Uh, you know how we do it. Um, anyway, all the best. Loved everybody. Stay safe. I'm Scott Patterson, and this is the I Am All In podcast with iHeartRadio and 111 Productions. Be well.
don't forget, follow us on Instagram at I am all in podcast and email us at Gilmore at iHeartRadio.com. Oh, you Gilmore fans, if you're looking for the best cup of coffee in the world, go to my website for my company, scottyp.com, S-C-O-T-T-Y-P.com, scottyp.com. Grade one specialty coffee. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.